0: This is Becoming a Podcast for Teens and Young Adults, episode 47, Money, with James Peterson. Hi there, and welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. We are your hosts, Tani Beardall and Erica Peterson. We will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode. This episode is brought to you by Aligned Ambition. Align Ambition specializes in guiding teens and young adults in finding their individual strengths, values, and skills to find career and education alignment that will be the best fit for your personality. We might hope that our personal plan and path will simply reveal itself, but often when we seek for help in the right places, we will find it with a clarity we never thought was possible. Align Ambition is the right place to find confidence in your plan. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, tonight I'm having a date night with my husband, James Peterson. Hey James.
1: (laughs) How's it going guys?
0: Welcome to Becoming. You are finally a guest and we get to have such a fun time hanging out.
1: (laughs) Thanks, I feel like I finally made it in life.
0: You did. You definitely did. So tonight I've asked James to come on and talk with me about a subject that I think is super important and fun, but I needed some help. So what are we talking about?
1: We're talking about money. (laughs) Money, money, money.
0: Money, money, money. So uh, we were talking about all the different ways we wanted to call this episode different things like Benji's,
1: fat fat stacks. Fat stacks. (laughs) Stacks on stacks. $100 bills. Yeah.
0: So we really want you to have the tools that you need to feel like you can make great personal finance decisions and that you can have some confidence behind the decisions that you make with your money as you continue to get a little older and you know, hopefully start making more money but be able to really start those habits when you're younger. And I've asked my husband James to help me with this because he's really found interest in finances and has learned a lot. So James, why have I asked you here and what do you like so much about personal finance?
1: Yeah, largely I have found a great deal of enjoyment um, just studying and learning from books and from some graduate courses that I've taken. I've just found a lot of enjoyment in the subject. It's a subject that has a lot of layers, a lot of different facets to it. It's a topic that has very significant impact in a person's life. Um, In reading some of the statistics that we'll get into here in a minute, there's a lot of statistics that honestly scared me a little bit, and I didn't want to fall victim to some of those things that would occur by, by not knowing, not knowing how to handle personal finances, and... A lot of the the behavioral stuff can start at a very young age. For example, I remember I mowed lawns and took care of landscape uh, growing up in junior high and high school. I also worked at a snow cone shack selling shaved ice. And one thing that I learned at a young age is that I found more enjoyment putting money into the bank than I did pulling it out. That every day after work, when I'd get paid cash, I would ride my bike and then later a a motorcycle that I saved up for and purchased. But I'd ride over to the bank and I'd put money into it. The tellers at the bank knew me by name. It's a behavior that I was able to learn at a young age. And that's just one small component of personal finances. But but I think for me, it just resonated with me that there are things that young people can do that are pretty simple that are going to set them up well in their adult life. Something that's always struck me is that in high school, a lot of subjects are taught. Math, science, chemistry, physics. Awesome. But despite all those subjects being taught, personal finance, I think, is a severely overlooked um, yet critical subject that people don't know. No one was born being financially prudent and savvy. These are definitely skills that have to be learned and acquired over time. And the reality is the principles are very simple. It's not It's not really hard.
0: Yeah, so why should teens be smart with their money?
1: That's a really good question. There's a number of reasons why a young person, a teenager should be uh, learning these valuable skills. First off, it's not an issue of how much money we have or how much money we are currently making in a job. Rather, it's a great opportunity to learn some skills that are gonna be transferable as, as a young person gets older. Yet, these are skills that are gonna position them to be able to more easily achieve their goals, live with a greater greater sense of peace uh, related to financial things. Um, so they're very valuable skills. I've always been interested in, in numbers and statistics. I'm an engineer uh, by trade. So it's interesting to me Uh, just based on some statistics that are currently out there that being successful financially at least on a personal finance level it's not about being really smart it's not about being really overly educated or clever it's just about applying simple behavioral habits good habits um, that can be learned over time and the statistics report that only one in five people, 20 percent of all people facing financial hardships, actually fall below the poverty line. And that's an arbitrary number set at $40,000. So again, it's not about whether a person is poor or innately rich. Rather, it's just about the, the behavioral habits that they've learned.
0: Yeah, I think that's super helpful to kind of Realize that it's really not about how much money you're bringing in because this really goes across the board no matter what the income is. So this is something that if you understand these habits and develop them really while you're young because, you know, we we both talked about this. We have friends who were not great with their money when they were young and you can see that as they're older. So this is something that when you can have good practices when you're young, it just naturally happens it's not something that just happens overnight when you're older that you're going to be financially responsible so super good to start these habits so where can teens like start getting some of these um, practices or habits going how can they kind of break the cycle that has been kind of substantiated throughout history
1: i think a really good place to start is right in the house with with the parents you know, I can just imagine a young child asking parents. You know, and we have a four-year-old son. I could just imagine him asking Eric and I, "Mom, Dad, are we rich?" And and I can just imagine parents across across the country uh, struggling to answer that in a understandable way. But just that silly question, you know, are are we rich? Or conversely, are we poor? Um, I think it starts with uh, especially. Teenagers and, and young adults, where they have a comprehension of, of finances, that they can have a conversation with their parents. And, and that conversation would have a goal of uh, leading to understanding uh, for the teenager, and whether that be aligning family goals, for example, I know a lot of young people play athletics in athletic leagues where they travel, club basketball, club soccer, dance, gymnastics. A number of things that that are a financial burden on a family and I think it, it begins that conversation or rather it it opens uh, an avenue where a parent in a in a young person could have have a meaningful conversation about you know their impact on the family and, and the family finances.
0: Totally I think also that conversation kind of lead to like some future goals so you know whether you're looking forward to um, studying college or maybe you want to buy a car, you can really open kind of those gates by talking with your parents and understanding what it is that you can really look forward to other than just, you know, the small purchases along the way, maybe some bigger goals.
1: So I feel like I was extraordinarily lucky to find Erica, someone that had similar uh, interests in personal finance and someone who had already established good personal habits. But with that... Obviously, as as young adults get older and and say they're dating, considering marriage, that should certainly be a conversation and really an understanding of how impactful that could be on a relationship, even if it is just in the dating stage, that 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 is a very uh, impactful subject.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's not as awkward as it may sound. It's not something you're going to talk about necessarily on a first date, but if you're Getting serious It's a healthy conversation to have and it can be done in a really mature way. So. so with that, what are some habits that we can be starting as young people that we hopefully want to find in somebody else who we're going to be able to pair up with and be able to have similar goals? What are some ways that we can start those practices?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. As an adult, I would answer that question simply by saying live within your means. As a teenager, I would never say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, some of those principles that would uh, lead to someone living within their means would be saving money. You know, as, as you make money, as you work and, and make more and more money throughout your life, save some of that money. Another element of that would be creating a budget, a written budget, and living within that budget. And that can be done monthly, that can be done weekly, you know, depending how often money's coming into your life?
0: Yeah, I think with some of the research I've done with this, the more and more that I've kind of looked at budgeting, it's really important that if you feel like your money practices are not well controlled, then the best way to really understand what it is you're spending, what it is that you are maybe wasting money on is to keep a really close budget that you have spent time on for every purchase so um, there's a lot of you know banking apps or whatever that will sum up everything for you but the more that you maybe write down every single purchase um, maybe make notes on it um, the more you're going to realize oh you know what maybe that purchase wasn't the wisest purchase Um, I do think that there are a lot of times when we buy something in the moment, thinking, "Oh, I really want this." But if we maybe would have waited a few days, we probably wouldn't have cared as much about it. So, being able to like really write down, make some thoughts about it, um, you'll become even more aware of it. And, and from everything I read, just the more invested you are in kind of tracking that, the more success you're going to have in being able to understand where your money's really going. And it, and just not to be scared of seeing where your money's going. If you're not doing anything at all to write down what's going on. That's okay, don't be scared of finding out what's happening to all of your money. Just start with you know, the first purchase and don't be, don't be nervous about it.
1: That's a really good point. You touched on uh, making wise purchases or possibly delaying a purchase. Um, with that, I think some very prudent advice, whether it's for young people, kids, adults, and that's just delayed gratification um rather than simply purchasing an item in the moment that we want it that's saying well let's step back for a minute let's maybe not buy it today if it's something that's critical maybe let's see if we can buy it tomorrow or a month from now and those things that aren't that critical in our lives seem to fall off the list of things that i need to buy um and i think the delayed gratification especially you'll see it in the lives of adults um That's a really great skill to learn young because it's going to pay big dividends down the road.
0: Totally. I think that it's harder even now than it was when we were young, for sure, because you literally can push a button and see something in two days (laughs) or, you know, a lot of things are immediate, but that is going to be faster and faster. And so it's hard for us to maybe do that automatically. So just, some things that I would suggest in practicing that is if you want something and maybe instead of purchasing it, write it down somewhere and maybe have a list of some things or maybe create like a wish list and as you return to that wish list, you know, maybe wait even just one day. See if you still feel the same want that you had initially or, you know, set a goal. Okay, I'm, I'm going to see if I still... I'm thinking about this thing in a week or three weeks or maybe even three months. And then you can like start using kind of maybe saving up for it because not everything we should purchase the moment that we think about it. If you really like plan and save your money, you'll be a little bit less likely to put the work into it sometimes. So that helps to delay your gratification as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Erica, earlier you talked about something that just kind of made me chuckle for a minute. You talked about How we both knew people in high school that made poor financial decisions, and and unfortunately, some of those people still make poor financial decisions as adults. As soon as you said that, I I had a good friend from high school that by the time we graduated, he was on to a second or third nice car, and he didn't have money to buy these outright, so it was a, a form of debt. He had car payments. And to this day, my brother and I still joke about this friend that he's still probably paying off those cars that he bought that at the time were something so important to him. But looking back, especially vehicles, they, they age quickly. The allure of buying a, a cool new car quickly fades as it gets older.
0: We talked about this a little bit just in the lives of teenagers. I think so often we see so many people buying like brand name stuff, brand new things. You know, a lot of times those are just trends. They come and go, and there will always be a new car that's newer than your thing, or there will always be the new phone coming out. So planning ahead, thinking about what you really want to purchase ahead of time, that's that's probably the best thing. And another thing that I really feel strongly about is not going shopping as a hobby. I think that that's um, a pastime that so many young people just say, hey, let's go shopping. But that's just going to end up with you spending money on something that you never even thought you knew you wanted. Um, have something in mind uh, before you head out to the stores to just go look around. Um, that's a good indicator that you probably need a, a new hobby that can take up some of your time. But I think that's a, a pretty quick one that can we can change those habits and maybe do something more fun with our time and not necessarily using your wallet to entertain you.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Another thing that comes to mind, I looked at all the hobbies that I like doing as a teenager and all the hobbies that I continue to do today as an adult. Many of those require equipment or gear, stuff that costs money. And with some of those things, there's no way around that. For example, a really good snow skier you know, can tell a difference between a nice pair of snow skis and a, and a terrible pair of snow skis. Yet, even, even for those activities that are gonna be part of our lives, I think there's always ways to look for opportunities to save money, whether that's buying a model that's a year old, whether that's buying a pair that's a few years old from a friend or hand-me-downs from siblings. I found that I, I really liked snow skiing in high school. I also liked riding motorcycles and, and playing golf and a number of things, but I, I never needed the nicest newest stuff and by doing that, it allowed me to participate in those activities that I found a lot of joy doing.
0: I love it. That's a good thing to kind of keep in mind. So what are some of the biggest things that teens and young adults need to like watch out for to really protect their money and their spending habits?
1: That's a really great question. I think naturally I'm a pretty optimistic person. I like to look at the world as a happy place. Yet when we start looking at some of these statistics, there's a lot of things out there that are really structured and set up almost to make a young person fail, at least in things uh, related to finances. For example, to your question, one of the big big pitfalls out there is is consumer debt. And there's a number of ways that young people can uh, enter into consumer debt. And maybe just a quick uh, summary of terms for those not familiar. Uh, I think we can think of consumer debt as those things that we buy and that we take ownership of without paying for them in full. Uh, Some people may refer to those in the instance of cars as a car loan, an auto loan. Uh, Another huge source of consumer debt are credit card loans. And, And it could be anything from buying a new Apple Watch on a credit card. It can be things as small as going out to lunch, but swiping a credit card and not paying for it. So those are ways uh, that we can enter into debt. But credit cards in particular, they are a tool that's out there that in a skilled hand can be a, a useful, valuable tool. A lot of the professional financial advisors warn, warn young people to avoid credit cards. Um, and in many respects, that that's prudent advice that there's not a true need for a young person uh, to have a credit card. And maybe just some statistics to frame that. It's hard to get our heads around some of these large figures, um, but Americans today hold over $1 trillion in credit card debt. Now, that's that's 1.0 with another 11 zeros behind it. It's just a, a mind-boggling number. And again, to the point I made before, on that $1 trillion, that's everything from televisions to couches to food to new truck tires, you know, any, anything that could be purchased on a credit card could fall into that bucket. Another staggering number to me is that over 62% of Americans have credit card debt to pay off. That's 157 million Americans. That number is not simply 62% of adults. That's the total number of Americans. 157 million Americans have credit card debt to pay off. And I think that credit cards are solicited and sold by very, very bright marketers. People with good experience in marketing, they know how to sell stuff. We'll receive in the mail numerous credit card solicitations every week. Some of them come with offerings of free money. You know, sign up now for a credit card and we'll give you $600. Other times they're from clothing stores. We'll offer credit cards. And a lot of times they're not called, quote, credit cards, they're just called a a store card. And I'm not going to name any stores in particular, but, but there's many out there. So just be careful, be mindful that credit card companies make money off of interest, interest payments that their customers pay them. And just to frame that, for example, the average credit card interest rate And this isn't set. This isn't a maximum. This is just an average. The average credit card interest rate is 16%. And on the surface, that may seem like, oh, that's not that big of a number. But that 16%, it does not stop until the entire balance is paid off, whether that's one month, one year, 10 years. So these companies happily make money off of their consumers simply by them putting purchases on credit cards and not paying them off
0: so whatever you're purchasing that you didn't have the money for ends up costing you way more than what you originally should have been paying if you were paying cash so it ends up costing so much more money over years and can be a huge pit to fall into okay so we are we just did some calculations for you. So for example, if you had a really cool smartwatch, we won't say which kind, but a really cool smartwatch for 500 bucks, if you put that on your credit card and you didn't pay off the balance for one year, how much extra would it be?
1: Yeah, just in that one year period of time, you would owe an additional $86. Now that $86, that's in addition to the entire $500 dollar original purchase price of the smartwatch. Now, one year, that's a little bit of time. Credit cards are a pretty sneaky system because they'll let you carry payments for a long period of time. And just for example, if that same smartwatch was purchased on a credit card and not paid off, you never paid the balance off and you carried it for five years, that assumed 16%, not only would you owe them the $500 for the watch, you would owe them an additional $600 approximately for the interest.
0: So you pay more than double because you didn't use your own money. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a terrible deal.
1: Terrible deal. That's a terrible, no, that that is a terrible deal. (laughs) If you ever watch deal. Deal or No Deal, that's a no deal.
0: It's a bad deal. So this is why we're wanting to talk about this. And that happens like this sounds like, oh, no one would do that. Yes, they do.
1: So if if there's nothing else you take away from this podcast, it's you need to learn what interest is. You know why why companies offer you a credit card in the first place. You have to understand their side of the game. But ultimately, how that could negatively impact you and how that could derail you or delay you from being able to achieve those more important goals that you have in your life.
0: All right. So moving on, what are some other common pitfalls that get young people into debt quickly?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about two other pitfalls, and it's interesting that these we're gonna talk in total of three pitfalls. The first one was credit card debt. Um, these other two, they're the next two largest sources of consumer debt in America. They're very substantial. One is student loans. Student loans are a are a way for someone who doesn't have adequate funds to attend college, to attend vocational training, you know, to get an education, which is absolutely a good thing. I'm a an advocate for uh, young people pursuing educational opportunities, absolutely. Um, yet I think today in society, I think there is a misunderstanding amongst college age people. I think there's. Um, some expectations that many people live with that, that really don't have to be the case. And that is that you don't have to go into debt to go to college. Now, I am fully aware that college is becoming more and more expensive. College is not a cheap endeavor by any means. Um, I just finished a MBA program and that, that came at considerable financial cost. So I'm, I, I'm very aware of the, the burden and the financial impacts that, that going to college uh, has on a family. Yet I think there are ways, I, in fact, I know there are ways that students can attend college and can try to minimize the student loans that they, they graduate with, if not eliminate them altogether. So looking at some statistics, today 7 out of 10 Americans that are attending college at some point in time will take out a student loan. Adults currently in America, over 44 million adults have student loan debt. That is a huge number. 44 million people, college is done, they're graduated, they're quote-unquote grown up, you know, living, living their life, yet they have this burden of a debt that hangs over them even well after they've graduated for many years in some instances Today, the average student loan debt is just shy of $30,000, and that's just the average. Many students pursue uh, degrees that are very costly and graduate with, uh, it's not unheard of to see hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt.
0: I think sometimes uh, we can chalk that up to even just poor spending practices as well, because a lot of times when people get their student debts, they're... They are living a lifestyle that is above their means, a larger lifestyle than they had before. So I think those huge numbers like that, that obviously is compounded with bad spending habits, though.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a really good point. And again, it all starts with the, the financial behaviors and those good habits that we can develop when we're young. Um, so if nothing else, I think, you know, just touching on the common pitfalls, student loans. Um, Erica, what what are some ways that maybe we can try to minimize, if not completely eliminate, uh, young people carrying student loans through college? So a
0: few ways that you can help to eliminate this is to save up when you're young. I know that I saved up a lot of money before I went to school. Um, I worked summers as a high schooler, but then we also worked while we were going to school. Both of us worked. Um, to make money and we were able to stay out of debt that way Um, another great way to stay out of debt is to um, use scholarships there's thousands upon thousands of scholarship programs um, and some of them are small and some of them are larger but you would be shocked at how many opportunities there are out there Um, another thing that might be not possible for everyone, but if your family is able to, and I think especially um, if you approach this early and come up with a plan of, hey, I'd like to save money for this. Would you be willing to help me save money? Maybe they can match up to a certain amount or whatever. You, may, you might be surprised at how willing your parents might be if you put in some hard work to help you save up money in advance before you even get to college.
1: Yeah, those are all really good points. The only other one I might add is, you know, when it when it comes time to select a, a college or a, a vocational training program, to shop around a little bit and understand what what the cost of that education uh, is truly going to be, and if there's similar similar universities out there that are going to deliver similar uh, quality. Uh, of instruction, that it'd be very wise to shop those out and at least have an informed decision um, before plunging into a very, very expensive program.
0: Yeah, I think another way to help to reduce this amount as well that, is, that school may cost you is to not waste your time trying to figure out what you're wanting to study, what you know career choices you have. I know we talked about this in our episode with aligned ambition, but it's really important to not be trying to find yourself and try lots of different things when the cost is so high. Um, Spending a little bit of time figuring out different careers and and being able to work and shadow in those situations can help save you a lot of money in the future. So that's something to definitely to keep in mind as you're looking at saving money for these huge expenses.
1: Yeah, and there's there's a lot of options uh, that A young person can talk about with their parents or with high school counselors. For example, I have a cousin who's a very successful person, um, and he ended up graduating with an engineering degree, but he attended his first two years at a less expensive uh, junior college and then transitioned into a a four-year degree and then ultimately pursued an engineering career. Um, Again, lots of strategies out there, and there's so many opportunities to plan ahead and seek education
0: okay let's cover the last big one
1: yeah less less big pitfall or potential pitfall are cars Duh.
0: cars <laughs> trucks
1: cars. uh other things that could fall into those categories boats motorcycles but just generally speaking just talking about cars Very staggering. Today, the average monthly car payment that Americans make is $500. $500, that's monthly. they got to pay $500 a month for their car.
0: That makes me cringe.
1: (laughs) Um, Other other equally cringeworthy statistics, the average auto loan that people chose to finance was $29,000.
0: That means that there are ones that are higher than that.
1: <laughs> Way higher. That also doesn't include the down payment that people put down on cars. The average auto loan length is 69 months. That's almost six years. But some of those car loans stretch out to 84 months over seven years. That's, that's crazy.
0: It's a long time to pay for a car that you're probably not going to be driving
1: anymore. Yep, absolutely. And I mentioned earlier a really big number when we were talking about credit card debt that exceeded $1 trillion, Uh, an equally uh, outstanding number is $1.22 trillion. That's the total value of outstanding auto loan debt. So right there with credit cards, in terms of debt that just month after month, you got to make payments on it.
0: You guys, I'm looking at this number, and it's like seriously more than an inch long. It is a (laughs) huge number. (laughs) 1.2
1: with 11 zeros.
0: Yeah, it's so big.
1: And the other one, a couple other, you know, talking points on cars are uh, leasing a car versus buying a car, understanding what the difference is, you know, ultimately leasing, you're still making those monthly payments, but at the end of the day, or rather at the end of the term of the loan, you don't own the vehicle. You're just making monthly installment payments, and then you got to go take the car back. You never own it. So... Having a car is an extremely useful tool. As an adult, I can't I can't fathom. I know some people live without a owning a personal car, and I really admire that. But at least where we live, it's not really an option for us. Now, while you're young, while you're going to college or living in a city where public transportation is readily available, maybe you don't need a car and maybe it's that determination. But for many Americans, you know, having a car is a source to, get to a job. It's a way to access fun entertainment. So with that, we need to be mindful, especially as young people, mindful how much would be a reasonable amount for a car. Um, Certainly it'd be looking at used cars, looking at uh, still safe and reliable vehicles, but perhaps something that won't, won't saddle a young person with extreme debt month after month while they're trying to get their feet off the ground.
0: I think another part of that, too, is like becoming maybe savvy with being able to upkeep your vehicle and making it last.
1: And I'm not advocating for a person to go become a hobbyist auto mechanic just so they can take care of their cars. But just having a cursory understanding of of certain things on the vehicle, knowing how to maintain it properly, that can go a long ways to ultimately saving money down the road.
0: And being okay with not having the newest, latest, and greatest, watching those trends, it really, when it comes down to it, it just doesn't matter. And even though it sure is nice to have extra bells and whistles, your status in life is not determined by your vehicle. Absolutely. Okay, so we went over the big pitfalls that a lot of young people are going to see. What are some easy ways that teens young adults can learn more about this if maybe their parents aren't a great resource of information maybe they want to learn more about this on their own
1: yeah that's a really good point and and maybe maybe this person listening to this podcast maybe you live in a house that have parents that are very savvy and readily available to to teach these principles that's excellent so i'd say first place to start would be at home you know have have that conversation like we talked about with your parents but beyond that, what else is out there for a young person? Fortunately, there is a wealth, a never-ending wealth of knowledge, prudent financial knowledge, that's free. It's on the internet, it's on websites. Um, there's a number of books, and we can certainly point you to in the direction of some authors that are well-respected in their field. These are professionals with time-proven uh, money habits. There's other resources, there's financial podcasts, Um, there's podcasts geared just towards young people, and all they talk about is finance. Another avenue may be uh, just at your local bank that you have a checking or saving account with.
0: We'll attach a few resources that we kind of found while we were looking through some of this information. Obviously, there's some big name people like Dave Ramsey, um, other great resources that we can kind of lead you to for podcasts, and we'll link those in the notes. Okay, so to wrap this up, what are some of the benefits to being financially wise, making good decisions, saving? What are some of the benefits?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of immediate benefits. Um, some of the benefits, you know, at least that I've experienced myself and seen others is just the financial burden that's lifted when you don't have all these other obligations nagging at you. Uh, Many, many Americans that live with debt report that that debt often consumes them to the point where they're thinking about it every day, that at some point that that they're dwelling on this debt, trying to figure out how to get out of debt. What a freedom it would be to never have to experience that. Um, So I think that's one is just that financial peace that comes through prudent uh, financial decision making and living, living within our means, uh, developing those Crucial skills. And if we look at uh, Americans generally, um, we see that these skills need to be developed at a young age. Flash forward, people that are getting ready to retire um, are obviously thinking very, very critically about their financial decisions and where they're at. But unfortunately, many people approach retirement without sufficient money. A statistic that I stumbled across was that. Nearly 30% of all households age 55 and over have no retirement savings or pension. So those, those are people that unfortunately didn't develop these important skills at a young age. They didn't develop them into, into their adulthood. And now they're approaching retirement and still you know, haven't developed those skills. Um, and that's got to be a huge source of stress on a household, on, on relationships, so ultimately, for me, the big takeaway is you know being able to live without that burden, but also being able to live live the life that you want to live, being able to uh, pursue those passions and those goals, uh, whether it's education, buying a home, starting a family, being able to do those things that that are really important to you without having to worry about the overhead and the stress of of poor financial decision making.
0: okay. Thanks babe for doing date night with me. If we can give these young listeners one take home, what would your biggest take home be on the
1: money? So my my biggest take home is you don't have to be the most intelligent, the smartest, the brightest person to succeed at personal finance. That's what I take a lot of comfort in. They really it's not about being really smart. It's just being disciplined. And having a a set of skills that have been developed over years. And what an opportunity for a young person to develop those skills and then be able to utilize them for the rest of their life.
0: Totally. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, I have to make you do one more thing though. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You got to answer our question that we ask all of our guests. If you could give your teenage self one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Oh, man. So I'm going to answer this at the risk of sounding old and not cool. But listen, we're not that old, and we're still pretty cool. (laughs) Yet, to to your question, I'd just say, save your money. You're going to find something down the road that you're really going to need, you're really going to want, and you're going to be happy to be able to look back and have saved that money for something down the road. Perfect.
0: Thanks, James. You're the best. I am the best. (laughs) You are. This is a great time to talk about our sponsor, Aligned Ambition. After recording this episode, I immediately called the creator of Aligned Ambition and was just hit with the message that she shares so often. I had to call her and share my epiphany. I said, I know you talk about this all the time, but I cannot believe parents send their kids to college without having a career plan or education plan for them. My husband just got done with going back to school, which was great because he knew what he was going for. But if he had told me, Hey, I'm going back to school, but I want to spend a few semesters figuring out why I want to go back to school. I would say no way, but we don't hold youth to that same standard. If you don't have clarity in your career path, do not waste thousands of dollars trying to find yourself. Align the Ambition's number one goal is to give you concrete direction to find a career path with good confidence that you will feel fulfilled and meant for a career field that fits with your innate gifts. This is not done by using a crystal ball. It's done by using scientifically proven tools and a unique method to give you direction and a plan to use these same principles in the future as you change and evolve. Don't waste thousands of dollars playing a guessing game. Find your path with aligned ambition. Click on the link in the show notes to learn
1: more.